Father, thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for your word, which is truth. Um, God, we're here because we love you, because we love being with each other. Um, God, we ask that you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear tonight, that this would not just be information, God, but may it change us in some shape, form, or fashion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. All right, so we've been going through these characters in the Bible, and we are all the way, wow, to... You see right here, the fall of the southern kingdom, that's where we are. The southern kingdom is going to fall as I speak tonight. That thing is going to topple down. Jeremiah, he's right there. Um, he, he also wrote Lamentations. Um, we started with Abraham. Uh, the people were unfaithful to God. They wanted a king. He gave them a king. We learned about Saul and what he did. We learned about David. We learned about Solomon. Right around Solomon's time, um, the, the kingdom's divided. It's a mess. Um, and now the people have been so unfaithful to God that God is about to send them into exile. So that's where we are at. We are almost to the end. We're almost to Daniel and then Nehemiah and Ezra. And then we're going to get into the New Testament. Okay? So I want to let you know a few things, first off, before we really get into this. Um, so it was believed that Jeremiah was called by God around 626 B.C., Okay, so that's where we are right now, 626 B.C., and that he served God faithfully to about 586 B.C. So for 40 years, he was serving God as a prophet for Judah and Jerusalem, and unlike some of the other prophets we learned about, he also spoke to Israel. So a lot of our prophets only spoke to Israel or only spoke to Judah, but he actually speaks to everybody a couple of different times. There were some other prophets speaking during uh, Jeremiah's lifetime. There was Habakkuk, Obadiah, Ezekiel, some of them toward the end of his life, they started, they started picking up and speaking for God. Um, he would have uh, been on the scene about 100 years after Jonah. Okay, so Destiny talked about Jonah last week. So this just to give you a little bit of an idea where we are. It's about 100 years after Jonah. And now I want to give you some fun facts. I put fun facts, but they're not really fun. I don't know. Um, Jeremiah. No, I want to ask you first. What's the longest book in the Bible? Oh, man. Yes, of course. I messed it up. I messed it up. No, sir, it's Jeremiah. Je oh, sorry, Dad, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, Jeremiah has the most words in the Bible, and then Isaiah, and, and, and Psalms is actually third. So I taught all those kids' church kids the wrong thing for a year and a half, but that's okay. Um, Jeremiah is officially the largest book in the Bible. Scholars, um, and this doesn't happen often, it does happen sometimes, are divided on the meaning of Jeremiah's name. Some say it, that his name means the Lord exalts. Some say that it means the Lord establishes. Some say that it means the Lord throws. And a lot of scholars think that that's it because he was, he was the prophet who was, going, was telling them that they were about to be thrown out of their land into exile. But it's just, it's just interesting that they all think a little something different. Jeremiah is number 55 out of 1,000 of the most popular baby boy names. That's, okay, that's the only fun fact. Sorry. Um, Jeremiah served as prophet during the reign of five different kings, but only one of them, a young man named Josiah. Anybody ever heard of Josiah? Became king when he was eight, loved the Lord, found the book of the law, had a great revival. Jo uh, Jeremiah actually becomes a prophet for Josiah. So, so that's the first king that he kind of serves under. Uh, the book of Jeremiah is not written in chronological order. 
No one's writing this stuff down. I'm worried. No, I'm kidding. There's not a test. Um, it's not in chronological order, which is not, not necessarily common. Some of the other books aren't. Daniel's not because um, it has some poet, poetry and prose and different things. Ezekiel is written in chronological order. But that's just a note because that doesn't happen often. During Jeremiah's lifetime, Nineveh fell. So Jonah preached to Nineveh, and there was a revival. But about 100-some years later, Nineveh actually falls. So, so I don't know what happened there. I, I didn't get to study that deep into did the people of Nineveh serve God for a time and then stop serving him. But that's just a note. So that, that, that uh, the people of Nineveh actually did fall. Scholars believe Jeremiah only had four friends. Now, isn't that interesting that they would put that in the commentary? Poor Jeremiah. Four friends besides God his whole life. Very possibly Jeremiah's closest friend was Baruch. He was his scribe. He was his assistant. And I've just been so immersed in this. I just feel like I know both of them, but I, you know, whatever. I don't. Um, he helped him write down everything. And they even believe he might have written the last chapter of Jeremiah. Okay. None of the major Bible scholars believe that Jeremiah was actually a child when he was called to ministry. Now, isn't that interesting? This is why you have to study the Bible. Because we've been taught, well, Jeremiah was a child and God said, blah, blah, blah. But they actually say, scholars, they, they differ on, on exactly what his age was. They believe he may have been under the age of 25, but possibly old enough to get married. And so back then, Davin, you would already be married because uh, that was 14. Okay, um, for Hebrew men, which I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so some t- sometime between then, he was, he was young, but he was probably not a child is what they believe. So in preparation for this, and, and, and I was just caught up in this story. I was talking to my family about Jeremiah. They were like, oh, my goodness, here she goes. You know, anytime they say, Clarissa, you're preaching on something. My whole family hears the sermon 20 times before y'all do. Um, and I felt like it was a movie. I really did, and I was emotional, and I was sad, because I had actually just started, I just studied the book of Daniel for myself personally, and Daniel is reading Jeremiah's prophecies, and he's there, he's kind of living out what Jeremiah spoke, and so because I had already read that, and then I back up and read this, I was just so emotional. I was just all over the place. And then I thought about what they called Jeremiah, and, and I was just thinking about that, the weeping prophet. Some people counted his tears for weakness, even some scholars. They, they counted his tears for weakness. But as I was studying, and this is just my opinion, that he was strong. He was faithful. He was steadfast, even though his life would be hard and very, very painful, as we were about to find out. Jeremiah was not allowed to go to funerals. Isn't that interesting? God gave him some very specific instructions. Jeremiah 16.5. We're going to be in Jeremiah a lot, so if you have your Bible, get, get, it, get it in there. Jeremiah 16.5. This is what the Lord says. Do not go to funerals to mourn and show sympathy for these people. For I have removed my protection and peace from them. I have taken away my unfailing love and my mercy. He wasn't allowed to go to funerals. Imagine what people thought about him. As soon as they put the word pastor in front of my name, I felt like you, now you have to go to every funeral. Because if people are like, you should be there, Clarissa. You're a pastor. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know. Is that how it works, you know? But I imagine people probably talked bad about him. He didn't even come to mourn with people when they were mourning. And that's what the men of God were supposed to do. He couldn't go to weddings, guys. Count me out. No, I'm kidding. A party. I'm, I love a party. Anyway, Jeremiah 16, 8 and 9. 
and do not go to their feasts and parties. Do not eat and drink with them at all. For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, in your own lifetime before your very eyes, I will put an end to the happy singing and laughter in this land. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will no longer be heard. I don't know if I could have said yes to that. What about you? Your whole life you can't go to a wedding feast? That was probably pretty sad. He couldn't get married. Now, my son thought that was cool because he just keeps telling us he's going to be single his whole life. But I was like, that's not God's word for you. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that to him. But, but, he, but, but God told him, you can't get married. You can't get married. Jeremiah 16, 1 through 4. Then the Lord gave me another message. He said, do not get married or have children in this place. For this is what the Lord says about the children born here in this city and about their mothers and fathers. They will die from terrible diseases. No one will mourn for them or bury them. And they will be scattered on the ground like manure. Okay. (laughs) Uh, They will die from war and famine and their bodies will be food for the vultures and wild animals. Think about that. So you get a call from God. You're sold out. You're serving him. And he says, oh, and by the way, you can't go to any of the weddings people invite you to. Don't show up at any of the funerals. And you can never get married or have children. Let's sign up. For, no, I'm kidding. Oh, who, who wants to sign up for that? Jeremiah did, though. He did. Now, that's a tall ask. That's a tall order. Jeremiah was called to tell kings, other prophets, and priests, and the people of Judah things they didn't want to hear over and over and over and over again. But he kept doing what God asked him to do. And this is just a side note. Sometimes God will ask you to do things he won't ask of other people. You need to be okay with that. You need to be okay with that. Maybe your friends can watch that movie, but you can't. And you know you can't. That's okay. That's okay. Maybe you have a burden for the homeless that your friends just don't have, and they really just want you to hang out and stop talking about how you want to help the homeless. Listen, God calls us personally to do some things he doesn't call other people to. And we miss it sometimes because we're waiting for everybody else to get the word too. They might not get it. And that's okay. Jeremiah was thrown into a cistern, put in jail, taken captive into Egypt, called a liar, alienated by other so-called priests and prophets. And the list literally, read your Bible, goes on and on. But nevertheless... Jeremiah was completely sold out to God's purpose for his life. He was all in. Throughout the book of Jeremiah, and you can read this when you read some commentaries in your study Bible, they they bring up three major themes. One of the themes is judgment. Judgment. And this is sometimes what people use who don't really want to follow God they, they say, oh, God was so mean in the Old Testament, and that's why I don't read it, and that God you serve is this and that. Listen, listen, there was a reason. God wasn't just doing something to do it. There were some reasons. One of the reasons was the people of, of God didn't let their land rest. 
Leviticus 25, Moses was given all the laws to the letter. And one of the laws was, listen, every seventh year, let the land rest. Let it just grow up. Eat what, what it grows naturally. Don't Let the poor people eat. Let the sojourners eat. Just let everybody eat. Just do your thing. But don't sow the ground. Let it rest. And you know what the people did? They didn't let it rest. And they did it over and over and over again. And there was a specific judgment attached to that. And it's all in Leviticus 25. And, and God says, okay, if you don't let it rest, I'm going to have to remove you from the land so that the land can rest. But they didn't listen. They kept cheating on God with idols and false gods. I mean, over and over and over again. Some of them were sacrificing their children. Some of them were doing things that are unmentionable. They were worshiping their idols in the temple of God. They were hypocrites. They were saying one thing and they were doing another. And God just kept calling them out. And Jeremiah had to keep delivering these amazing messages to the people of God. Like, man, he was just calling them out on the carpet over and over again. If you, if you keep doing this, this is what's going to happen. But they kept doing it anyway. Jeremiah 16, verses 10 through 13. This is God talking to Jeremiah. He says, when you tell the people all these things, they will ask, why has the Lord decreed such terrible things against us? Like they're innocent, right? What have we done to deserve such treatment? What is our sin against the Lord our God? Then you will give them the Lord's reply. It is because your ancestors were unfaithful to me. They worshiped other gods and served them. They abandoned me and did not obey my word. And you, this generation Jeremiah is talking to, are even worse than your ancestors. You stubbornly follow your own evil desires and refuse to listen to me. So I will throw you out of this land and send you into a foreign land where you and your ancestors have never been. There, you can worship your idols day and night and I will grant you no favors. That's a strong word, but it didn't come out of nowhere. Jeremiah 2, 31 through 35. Oh, my people, listen to the words of the Lord. Have I been like a desert to Israel? Have I been to them a land of darkness? The answer is no. Why then do my people say, at last we are free from God? Ooh, God, we don't need him anymore. Does a young woman forget her jewelry? No, she don't. Uh, or a bride her wedding dress? No. Yet for years on end, my people have forgotten me. How you plot and scheme to win your lovers. Even an experienced prostitute could learn from you. Strong. Your clothing is stained with the blood of the innocent and the poor. Though you didn't catch them breaking into your houses, they were being unjust. They were throwing people in jail that didn't belong in jail. They were treating homeless people bad. They were treating the poor bad. They were doing all kinds of things God had told them never to do. And yet you say, I have done nothing wrong. Surely God isn't angry with me. But now I will punish you severely. Why? Because you claim you have not sinned. Not for no reason. What was their sentence? Jeremiah 25, 11. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. 
Oh, okay, play that. Play that Bible app. I hear you. Yes, this is what the Lord says. Um, anyway, so judgment, that's one of the major themes. Second major theme is ah, uh, restoration. Restoration. God is a God who is just and he is right. And if he says it, he's going to do it and all of these things. But he's also a God of restoration. Are we glad for that? Amen. And all of the time, and this is the part that always gets me, all of the time Jeremiah is saying all of this stuff to them, he's also saying all of this stuff to them, and they still didn't listen. There are three major prophecies in this theme of restoration. The returning. The returning. Jeremiah 27, 22. They will be taken to Babylon, and there they will remain until the day I come for them, declares the Lord. Then I will bring them back and restore them to this place. So even while God was passing judgment on them, he was also saying, look, I have a plan. I'm going to bring you back. This is, this is what Daniel was reading when Daniel was in exile. He, he brings out Jeremiah's writings, and he's like, 70 years. He starts praying, and he starts asking God to show him how and when and where. Another theme was, and this is an amazing, amazing prophecy that's in, in, in Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied that there would be a righteous branch that would come up out of Israel. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. Amen. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Amen. This is Jesus. Even though the branches on the tree of Israel were broken and sinful, God had a plan. He was going to cause a righteous branch, hallelujah, to grow out of the nation, a capital B branch. He was going to spread out of their lineage, and we all know him as Jesus. He is our righteousness. I love that. Another prophecy that Jeremiah prophesied under this theme of restoration was the new covenant, the new covenant. Amen. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. I know this is a lot, but you need it. Mm, get it. Mm, that's good. The Lord says, the time is coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Although I was like a husband to them, they did not keep that covenant. The new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel will be this. I will put my law within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. None of them will have to teach a neighbor to know the Lord because all will know me. From the least to the greatest, I will forgive their sins and I will no longer remember their wrongs. I, the Lord, have spoken. Aren't you grateful for the new covenant? Amen. The reason we're sitting in this room. But the theme that I love the most and I couldn't get away from and has been wrecking me personally for the last couple of days is truth truth. T-R-U-T-H. Jeremiah 1, 9 through 10, and this is in the message. Jeremiah said, God reached out, touched my mouth, and said, look, I've just put my words in your mouth. 
hand delivered. Amen. See what I have done. I've given you a job to do among nations and governments, a red letter day. Your job is to pull up and tear down, take apart and demolish, and then start over building and planting. Jeremiah 26, one through three. Early in the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word came from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Stand in the courtyard of the Lord's house and speak to all of the people of the towns of Judah who come to worship in the house of the Lord. Tell them everything I command you. Do not omit a word. That's going to be important. Perhaps they will listen and each will turn from their evil ways. Here's God again with his mercy. Then I will relent and not inflict on them the disaster I was planning because of the evil they have done. Do not omit a word. In other words, Jeremiah was called to speak the truth and nothing but the truth. So help him God. That's, that was his call. Even though millions of other people in the nation of Israel chose not to respond correctly to the truth that God was speaking through Jeremiah, Jeremiah remained steadfast. Now, can you imagine that? We are so privileged in a community like this. I can invite about 20 people over to my house and we can talk about Jesus till midnight, right? Because they love the truth and I love the truth and we want to serve God. But when you're all alone in a nation, full of other people who are saying, please stop talking to me, stop telling me this stuff. I wonder how he kept going and going and going. Even though the men of God, the priests and others serving in the temple, in the temple, these people were Levites. They were the very ones persecuting him. Some of them had him beaten. He continued to stand up for the truth. Jeremiah spoke the truth. The people of Judah, Jerusalem, and even Israel just didn't want to hear it. And so this is my question for us all. Some things maybe we can learn from this, these people and, and, and learn about ourselves. How do we respond to truth when we hear it? How do we respond to truth when we hear it? How do we really respond? Here's one response. Sometimes our response to hearing the truth is to begin to look for our own truth because we just don't like what God is saying. And so we go after some false truths, which is a big oxymoron, false God, false this. It's an oxymoron because you can't have a false truth, right? But that's what we go after. Jeremiah 6, 13 through 14. From the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, Everyone deals falsely. Prophet to priest. They have healed the wound of my people lightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. There are prophets scared to death I, when I think about this, standing up in the temple, like on, on, a, on a thing like this right here with a microphone in their hand, whatever, imagine it. And they're lying to the people, telling them what they want to hear. And the people loved it. And then Jeremiah would come in, and he would tell them the truth. <laughs> Lord. And then they wanted to kill him. So even the preachers were lying to the people. Even the preachers didn't want to hear the truth. Jeremiah 28. Bear with me. This is a, this is a, a long story, but it's a good story. 
Jeremiah 28, verse 1. One day in late summer of that same year, the fourth year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, Hananiah, son of Azar, a prophet from Gibeon, addressed me publicly, addressed Jeremiah publicly in the temple. So think of like a dance battle, right? That's kind of what this equates to. So Jeremiah's in there. He's about to speak the truth. Hananiah walks in. Hey, I got the truth. Whatever. I don't know how it went down, but that's how I pictured it this week because it was all a movie in my head, right? <laughs> so true. I just, I'm not lying. That's how I was pictured in my head. I've been watching World of Dance. I don't know. Sorry. But that, anyway, do oh, yeah, you know, these dance battles. Anyway, so Hananiah's standing there. Jeremiah's standing there. Okay. Sorry, Dad. I'm getting to it. I love you. Um... <laughs> Okay, where was I? I don't even know. Address me publicly in the temple while all the priests and people listen. So all the priests are there. All the people are there. They're all sitting there and they're listening. And then Hananiah proceeded to tell a big, fat lie. That instead of 70 years, it would only be two years. Right? And of course the people like that. Pick up in verse 5. Jeremiah responded to Hananiah, and I love Jeremiah's heart because it shows the purity of his heart. Responded to Hananiah as they stood in front of all the priests and all the people in the temple. And he said, amen. <laughs> because if you read Jeremiah, Jeremiah loves these people. He's not a prophet coming with the Bible and trying to hit them upside the head. He loves them. He loves them so much that God says, stop praying for them. And he still prays for them. God tells him that like three times, and Jeremiah just keeps praying for him anyway. He loves these people. So Jeremiah's like, oh, amen. May your prophecies come true. I hope the Lord does everything you say. I hope he does bring back from Babylon the treasures of the temple and all the captives. But listen now to the solemn words I spoke. I speak to you in the presence of all these people. Because Jeremiah heard something else. The ancient prophets who preceded you and me spoke against many nations, always warning of war, disaster, and disease. So a prophet who predicts peace must show he is right. This was kind of how this was a rule. Only when his predictions come true can we know that he is really from the Lord. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck, broke it into pieces, and told another big fat lie. Soon after this confrontation with Hananiah, the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is leaving. He's walking back home. And God says, go tell Hananiah. This is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but you have replaced it with a yoke of iron. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, I have put a yoke of iron on the necks of all these nations. Your lies are not going to undo this. Forcing them into slavery under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, I have put everything, even the wild animals, under his control. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to Hananiah, listen, Hananiah, uh, the Lord has not sent you. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know, I'm kidding. Just in case you didn't know, that would be me. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't be me. Yes, it would. Oh, God. But the people believe your lies. They believed what Hananiah was saying. Why? Because they wanted to believe it. Because it sounded better. It sounded better. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You must die. Oh, God. Your life will end this very year because you have rebelled against the Lord. Two months later, the prophet Hananiah died. Hananiah prophesied what the people wanted to hear. But Jeremiah truly heard the voice of the Lord and spoke only what God told him to. Now let's fast forward to the New Testament. 
and see how this fits in with where we are. Second Timothy 4.3. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. This is, this is us. This is where we're living. This is why people move from church to church to church. Because oh, I, he was always saying stuff. And I'm always thinking, what? I don't know. I just didn't feel like, I, after I heard his sermons, I didn't feel right. Maybe that was conviction. I, it could have been. It might not have been. But maybe it was. Right? Listen, itching ears beg to be scratched. But scratching is just a temporary fix. You're scratching because something's wrong. It's itching because there's an infection. It's itching because under the, underneath the skin, there's something going on. Scratching your itching ears doesn't get to the root of the problem, which is sin. It's always sin, which for the people of Israel was idolatry, faithlessness, and blatantly breaking the law. Not listening to the truth didn't postpone the judgment that was coming. If anything, it made matters worse. And listen, this is a truth for us. Just because we don't open our Bibles doesn't mean the things that are in there don't apply. Just because we don't want to listen to the podcast doesn't mean that the truth the preacher is speaking doesn't apply. It still applies. I remember when I was in sin and I had a, had a, a Bible on my dresser that was so dusty. And I'm going to tell you the honest to God truth. I was scared to death to touch it because my life was a mess. And I knew it was going to read me like a book because it's truth. But you know what? I wasn't escaping anything. It was still there. It was still the truth. You can't get away from the truth. The second response that we have sometimes when we hear the truth is that we harden our hearts. This is a scary one. Because this is the one where we can still sit in church for 30 years we can leave every Sunday unchanged, unmoved. Because we won't let the truth come in. And it's scary. Jeremiah eleven eight. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubbornness of their evil hearts. So... I brought on them all the curses of the covenant I had commanded them to follow, but they, that they did not keep. Jeremiah 18, 12. Jeremiah, God was basically telling Jeremiah, this is what's going to happen. And, and Jeremiah had been telling people stuff. And then this is how they were replying. But the people replied, don't waste your breath. We will continue. Listen to this. We will continue to live as we want to. Severally following our own evil desires. They heard the truth, but decided to keep on in their sin. When we hear the truth, we've got to let it in. It's not always going to feel good. If someone does you wrong and Pastor Philip stands up here and says, tomorrow I want you to forgive all your enemies. That's not going to feel good, but it's going to be right. Because that's the truth. That's what we're supposed to do. I want you to feed the poor. 
well, I don't like feeding the poor. It doesn't feel good. I have to go and they smell it. Oh, well, he said that's what we're supposed to do. That's the truth. It might not feel good, but sometimes we hear it all. We hear it and we hear it and we hear it. And it's like our mom telling us the same thing over and over again. It doesn't even register anymore. It's the Charlie Brown teacher. Wah, 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 wah. Like what? But that's how it gets when we get our hearts hardened. God is speaking the truth, but we can't even hear it. This is how you can know when your heart's getting hard. And I know that I'll tell you, hold on. When, they, when th- we think things like, they've got to be talking about someone else. God want, must want me to tell my neighbor this when I get home. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to tell my husband what Pastor Philip said. That doesn't apply to me. Me and God have an understanding. Our hearts become hard from us grieving the Holy Spirit and growing cold to his warm, gentle prodding. Don't say that. Don't go there. Fix your face. Love is not rude. Oh, we can't even hear it anymore. This happened to me today. Ah, why does that always happen? I was listening to a podcast on leadership and he was saying some great biblical truths. It was a pastor that I listened to. And I was <laughs> literally, as I was working, I was seeing other people in my mind. Oh, I can't wait to tell them this. Oh, they're going to love this. Oh, they need, they need to hear this. And I caught myself because I already prepared this. And I had to say out like, Clarissa, stop. Because he was talking about what a bad leader was and what a good leader was. And most of the bad things... I was over there in that category, and he was right. And I had to listen to that podcast three times. (laughs) I had to keep starting it over until I stopped seeing other people, and I started seeing myself. Instead of rejecting the truth, we should inspect the truth to see if God may be speaking something to us personally. Before we go out and start telling other people about, Beth Moore said this when she came here to uh, Bozier, and I just loved it. I never forgot it. She said, eat it before you tweet it. Eat it yourself before you go start telling everybody else. Third response that we have sometimes when uh, the truth is spoken, you know, sometimes we, we actually want to hear it because we're desperate because we're desperate. We've got ourselves in a mess. So now we're running back to church. Now we're running to grandma because we know grandma and Jesus have a connection. And now grandma, oh, I'm coming to see you, grandma. Hey, baby, I ain't seen you in three years. But grandma, I just want to be with you. No, we don't. We want to be near the truth. Because deep down in our hearts, we know the truth will set us free. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes that works, but sometimes and most often, I know personally from, from my own experience, that doesn't keep you at the feet of Jesus. It might take you there. But then if things don't happen in your timetable, you get up and you go back to what you were doing. Or when things get better, you get up and you go back to what you were doing. I can't tell you how many people we've prayed for, for breakthrough and all of these things. And as soon as they got it, we didn't see them again because they were desperate. They knew where to come, but it didn't keep them there. Jeremiah 38, 14, this happened. This happened in Jeremiah. 
King Zedekiah did not want to hear anything Jeremiah had to say. If you read the book of Jeremiah, you can see this. But time was getting near for him to to be overthrown, and he knew that, that things were about to happen, and he wanted to finally hear the truth. So this is what he does, Jeremiah 38, 14. Then King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and had him brought to the third entrance to the temple of the Lord. I am going to ask you something, the king said to Jeremiah. Do not hide anything from me. All of a sudden, when his life was on the line, he wanted to hear the truth. Don't we do the same thing? I know I do. I mean, I'm just keeping it real. But the right response when we hear the truth, there's two right responses, and I didn't put this in. There's not a slide for it. Sorry, Rouge. But I thought about this because God was, he was just dealing with me later about some things. The right response can simply be amen. Because you may be living and walking in the truth. And you may be seeking God. So sometimes it's just a good, healthy amen. So be it. That's right. Come on, God. Speak to me. I agree with you. Sometimes that's where we are in our life. But often, the response needs to be repentance. Repentance. The definition of repent is just to change one's mind. There's, there's a lot of other deeper definitions, but I'm giving you the basic definition. To turn from sin, dedicate yourself to God's plan, to God's purposes. So you're turning from your own purposes. You're dedicating yourself to his. So you're turning from your sin. This is what the people of Judah and Israel never did in Jeremiah's time. Scholars talk about the fact that maybe they were always going to be thrown into exile, but it could have skipped a few generations It might not have happened so quickly if this generation had repented, but they never did. They never did. God kept telling them if they would only repent, he could turn the whole thing around. Jeremiah 36, 1 through 3. During the fourth year that Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was king in Judah, the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. Get a scroll Write down all my messages against Israel, Judah, and the other nations. Begin with the first message. Now, I don't know how long this took because this was years later. Begin with the first message back in the days of Josiah and write down every message right up to the present time. God is still holding out hope. Perhaps the people of Judah will repent when they hear again all the terrible things I have planned for them. Then I will be able to forgive their sin and wrongdoings. God says, everything I've ever told you, basically, up to this point, write it down and go speak it. But listen, Jeremiah couldn't even do that because he was blacklisted from the temple. His name was written. He could not even enter the temple, the prophet, because he was always telling the truth. So we had to send a scribe in there. Baruch went in with the scrolls and he, he found a place in the temple and he just starts reading it. And the people were mad. And some of the priests ran and they, they went and told the king, this is what just happened. Do you know what the king did? He burned the scroll. He burned it. Like burning it would help. He burned the scroll. The king and the people of Judah refused to repent. They decided to stay in their sin state that they were in. 
But little did they know, their sin was going to take them to a place they never intended to go. I thought this was interesting studying this. It blew my mind. Abraham was called out of what scholars believe was Babylon. God said, get out of here. I'm going to show you a place. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you a nation. And he gives him this land, this fertile land. He gives him a people and generations. And guess where they get taken back to? Babylon. They never intended to go back, but their sin took them there. And I don't know about you, but I know that my sin has taken me back to places I never intended to go because that's what sin does. It puts a hook in your nose and it just moves you in all the wrong directions if you're not careful. Another place that the people had to go was Egypt. They fled to Egypt, Babylon and Egypt. Their ancestors were slaves for 300 years in Egypt. Do you think they planned to go back to Egypt? No, but their sin took them places they never intended to go. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. They belonged to God, but they didn't live like it. They didn't think like it. They didn't act like it. They were God's chosen people who had been given a promised land for their inheritance, but they lost it because they refused to repent. They didn't lose their identity. They were still God's people, but their disobedience lost them their rightful place in the world. And it will do the same for us if we're not careful. We can be saved and not live like it. That's not breaking news. We know that's true. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And he said, all the law and the prophets, all the law and Jeremiah and all of them, two things. Love the Lord your God with everything that you are. I mean, all of you. And then love your neighbor as yourself. God's case against Israel wasn't just against the sins they committed toward him. They also focused around them not treating each other properly, not treating the poor properly, not being generous and just. The Israelites didn't love God enough to do what he said, and they did not love one another enough to do what was right. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. Are we forgiving? Are we giving? Are we living our lives the way Jesus wants us to? Or do we want to worship him and other gods too? Because that's what they did. They would still worship God and they would worship Baal. They were so confused. But I'm going to tell you something. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. We worship this, this idea of success this American dream. From, from this high, we're told, be successful. Do this. Get a house. Get a car. Get this. Live there. Don't live there. Live here. What, what, what is that? That's not in here anywhere. Nowhere. That's not the truth. Obedience doesn't make us saved, but being saved should make us want to obey. 
Ultimately, the Israelites never repented in Jeremiah's time, and so God's word through Jeremiah was fulfilled. Second Chronicles 36, 21. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. Jeremiah did what God said. Jeremiah spoke what God told him to. God's word was enough for Jeremiah, even if everybody else didn't want to hear it. He stood steadfast, even through hard times. As I was reading this in some versions, God would give Jeremiah a prophecy and he would say, I, the Lord, have spoken. Oh man, that got all over me. And I thought, I want that to be enough for me. It was enough for Jeremiah. I, the Lord, have spoken. Is that enough for us? If he says it, is that good? Or do we want to argue, nitpick, bring our preferences in? I'm just asking. He spoke to Jeremiah. He even spoke to the people. He spoke to foreign kings. He told them what to do. They thought they were doing their own thing, but he, he called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. He was telling Nebuchadnezzar what to do. He was speaking then, and he's speaking now. Now God speaks intimately to his people. Isn't that awesome? We don't all have to get together to hear what God is saying. We can be in our bathroom and hear what God is saying. John 14, 16 and 17, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. God is speaking to us now through the Holy Spirit. How are we responding to what he has to say? I, the Lord, have spoken. That should be good enough for us. When I was studying this, I, I stole my son's Bible. Not stole it. He has a great study Bible. And in one of the, 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 the things before the book of Jeremiah, this sentence just got all over me. And I'm telling you, I, I don't think it'll, it'll ever be the same. I'm going to put it up somewhere in my office. It said, for Jeremiah, God was ultimate. For Jeremiah, God was ultimate. God's word was the word. It was the first and the last. God was supreme over everything. Other people's opinions didn't matter. What other people were doing didn't matter. God was ultimate. He responded correctly to the truth that he heard. So I want to ask us again tonight, what's our response to the truth? Is God's word final in our lives? Is God ultimate in your life? I've always thought about this, and this may seem morbid to you, so bear with me, but what's going to be on my tombstone? <laughs> and right now, 
Dale, write this down. I wanted to say for Clarissa, God was ultimate. He was enough for her. She didn't care what other people said. When everybody else decided to do that, she did this. I'm not saying I'm there now, but I'm saying when I go to rest, I pray that my life will have lived up to that. Do you want your name right there? Can you see it? For Joel, God was ultimate. For Brian, God was ultimate. And then pretty soon, if you get enough of our names up there, you can say, for North Point, hallelujah, God was ultimate. Okay. And then you can go a little further and you can say, for Bossier City, God was ultimate. Right? And it goes on and on and on. But it takes a people living a life of repentance, living a life filled with truth, whether we like it or not, so that when our lives are summed up, it could be summed up like that. For Philip and Eddie and Chad and G back there, cool, G, God was ultimate. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to have our prayer leaders move to, to either side. If we could have like three over here, three over here on either side. And we're going to go back into worship. And you guys can stand. I don't know where you are. I, I, I'm always, I'm going to always try to tell you the truth about me for sure. I mean, when, I, when that happened to me today with the podcast, I was like, do I really have to say that, God? Because they don't need to know that. I mean, I, mean you can, I can repent right now, and it could be okay. We all struggle, if we're honest. We've all got something that we know good and well God's been saying, let's go ahead and talk about that. Let's go ahead and deal with that. Let's go ahead and get that thing. Let's just take care of that. Because my truth is going to set you free. See, this is how you know when the enemy's speaking to you. He's going to say, if you go along with that truth, you're going to, oh, your life's going to be boring. Oh, you're not going to have any more fun. Oh, your friends are going to think, no, the truth will set you free. And that's what we really want is to be free. Free to live the lives that Jesus is calling us all to live.